glad to have you with us today. And uh, I was notified, I, I have a message on our absolute scientific God. And I was going to preach that today, and I was notified last night as we were having a meal that today is family day. <laughs> and so uh, I changed around and went back and did a few things. And uh, so we're going to speak about family today, if I could, a little bit. And uh, I want to welcome, if you notice, there's a few kids in the service this morning. So you parents, what you do when they begin to act up the first time, you, you kind of tap this and say, no, we don't do that. And the next time, you pinch them. <laughs> now, that's what my wife used to do to our kids. That's what Carol, she, she goes, she pinched them. Now, not only did that hurt at that moment, but also that meant that they were going to get it when they got home. And so uh, <laughs> it's up to the kid. <laughs> Amen. Amen. A couple little things. A mother said to her son, Aunt Mathilda, she won't kiss you with that dirty face, son. The son said, well, that's what I figured. <laughs> An aunt said to her little granddaughter, when I was a child, I was, I was not a granddaughter, but a little girl. When I was a child, I was told if I made those ugly faces, it would stick like that. Little Joan said, well, you can't say you weren't warned. <laughs> father looking over his son's report card. One thing is in your favor. With these grades, you couldn't possibly be cheating. <laughs> father said, did Paul bring you home last night? His daughter said, yes, it was late, Daddy. Did the noise disturb you? The father said, no, dear. It wasn't the noise. It was the silence. <laughs> You'll get that, okay. Father said to his son, do you realize that when Lincoln was your age, he was already studying hard to be a lawyer? The son said, right, Pop. And when he was your age, he was president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. A friend said, so your son is in college. What's he going to be when he gets through? And his father said, senile. <laughs> Taking him a little while, I guess. <laughs> Amen. My message this morning is there is a wrong way and a right way to rear our kids. Okay? Now, some of you older folks said, well, wait a minute. I'm not raising my kids. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Amen. But uh, you need to be there to support when your grandkids or great-grandkids come on the scene. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this, very, very simple. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, there are some mistakes that parents make when they're talking with their kids. I listed some of these things. One is, they say this, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, they've heard that before. We fail here as an example as, the, as being a model to them. Uh, somebody said, more is caught than taught. <laughs> I've learned that kids hate a double standard. They hate hypocrites. And uh, sometimes parents, they're one thing in the church and they're different at home. And the kids see all of that. And uh, they notice that. And that's why we need to be genuine 
and that our faith is real. Or a parent might say this, I'm the adult, so I'm right. <laughs> That's where we fail to admit that we could be wrong. <laughs> you know, I think the reason we say that, we fear of losing control. <laughs> Kids say parents are like concrete. They're all mixed up, and they're permanently set. No concrete people here, huh? Okay. Sometimes parents say that because I said so, that's why. Parent says, I'm older, I'm bigger than you. I pay the bills, my roof's over your head. And that's true, yeah. That'd be Steve. We, we fail there to give clear, honest answers. Remember, it's important for our kids to learn good behavior and why that is important. There's an old saying, People who know how to do things will always have a job. But those who know why they're doing those things will always be their bosses. Amen? Or the parent might say, you want to do what? That's where we fail to allow them to develop their own personal identity. The word train up, by the way, means to cheer on. To cheer them on to their own bent to their own identity. Uh, that's very, very important with kids. You know, when a kid is rejected, especially by their parents, it's devastating to them. And if you try to force your will to break their will of their identity, that is devastating. Or a parent might say this, can't you do anything right? That's where we fail to accept we give them, that's where we fail to give them acceptance and approval. You know, every now and then, our kids do need a thumbs up, a smile. Every opportunity we can give them, like, I'm proud of you. <laughs> you see, our kids, they need to know that they're accepted, regardless of whatever takes place. Then a parent might say this, why did you, what did you do? What did you do? That's where we fail to give our kids the right to fail. They hear, I love you. If you do this, if you do right, if you have good grades, if you honor your family, if you do this and that, and they hear, I love you, that, that's called conditional love. And a lot of kids think that only if they're 100% successful in pleasing their parents will they ever know that they're loved? And when they don't hear that, they feel like they're a failure. But always remember this. The Apostle Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I want to do, I don't want to do. That's what I do. You see, we have an old nature in us. And there's a battle. And there's going to be times we can't be perfect. Huh? Isn't that correct? And so it's very, very important. We live by grace. And so we have to stand by our kids even in their failures. No matter what. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Then some parent might say this. Do you mind if we talk about something else? That's where we fail to discuss uncomfortable issues with them. Like sex. Drugs, death, divorce, racism, finances. Often those topics are just avoided. But know this, our young people will try to find out answers for themselves. 
They will look to the media, the schools, friends, movies, love, and mostly they're all wrong <laughs> when they get it from those. That's the parent's opportunity. The subject of sex, by the way, there's a thousand college students. They did a study, and they found out that 88% of the kids wished they had received more information from their parents. So as a parent, we have to keep an open channel to allow our insights concerning some of these issues so that they don't hear it from the press or the media or schools. And think, we need to share with them what the Bible says. Amen? Some parents say this, well, I'm busy now. Come back later. That's when we fail to be sensitive, have a presence of mind at that moment. You know, when your kid comes to you and has a question, wow, what an opportunity that is to be able to share your brilliance. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> when they come asking a question. You see, equality time is a progressive thing through time and experience and things like that. One of my favorites then is the parents, they say this, and I've heard many parents say this, by the way, they say this, you dummy, you idiot. <laughs> you ever hear a parent say that to their kids? I've heard it many times, even from around here. There we fail by making them think they are inferior and non-achievers. If mom and dad thinks this of me, I'm an idiot, I'm dumb, it must be true. I'll always be an idiot. I'll always be dumb. You see, our words can either bless, encourage them, or pull them to, down to think that there's going to be nothing in life. Now, those are the wrong things. Now, I want to focus on the right things in talking to your kids and training your kids and so on. Number one, give your kids loving time. You know, kids are a gift from God, whether you believe it or not. Now, I know at times they can be like a little hurricane, we call the kids, or a demon. <laughs> but they're a gift from God. But you know the average dad, they say, tell us, that the average dad spends seven and a half minutes with their children each week in dialogue or sitting with them or whatever it might be. Seven and a half minutes a week. Don't fail to be there for them. Dr. Erwin Lutzer, pastor of Moody Church. And Dr. Lutzer said this. I thought it was really good. Uh, he's teaching leadership conferences. He's going around. And one of his topics is what I wish I had done. And one of the things he said he wished he had done was to spend more time with his family. He says, I'm doing the things of God, but I spent less time with my children and my wife. He said, thank God they, they love him and they're working out good things, but he wished that that would have taken place in his life. You know, it takes time to know them, to listen to them, to know their talents, their needs, their goals, what they want to be one day. And that's our responsibility to give them time. Uh, my granddaughter's husband, 
who's a minister, and uh, their daughter, two little daughters, they play softball. And they're just learning how to play. And the older one, she's, she's doing well. And the little one, she's out there, and the ball's playing. The ball's coming her way. She's just waving at everybody, you know. She's a, <laughs> she has no clue what's going on. <laughs> and I think, but, you know, mom and dad and grandparents are at every game. That kid will never forget that that they cared enough that they were there to support them. I think that's so important. The second thing, train them to trust and apply God's word to their life. See, our kids need to know why they believe what they are supposed to believe, and we need to help them. 2 Peter 1.3 says this here, According as his divine power hath given unto us, now get this, he's given to us all things that pertain unto life. And godliness, how? Through the knowledge, through the knowledge there of him that hath called. In other words, God's given to us the knowledge. Where do we get our knowledge? We get it from the word of God. And it's important that we show them by example that if there is a problem or if culture is saying this, we need to show them what the Bible says and then live out what the Bible says. They need to see that in practical, everyday living. Amen? The third thing is, use biblical discipline to help direct and mold them. Use biblical discipline. Don't be afraid of that. I know what society says today, but just stick by what the Word of God. In disciplining your kids, I know that there are creative ways. And we can say, use your creative ways 90% of the time. But don't ever forget the 10% you need the rod. Amen? I think that is so important. Because by watching most kids today, it looks like the rod has hardly ever been used. Amen? The common questions, I got a couple saved people in here. The common questions and excuses some people say why they don't discipline their children. One says this, do you mean whip? And I say, yes, <laughs> on their fanny. That's why God gave them a little extra meat. <laughs> Amen. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says this, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. What a promise. Amen? Parents said, oh, I just love them, you know, too much to do that. Proverbs 13, 24 says this, He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. I whip my son so many times in life, I'm amazed he even talks to me today. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He had a strong will. I lit him up. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> I said, this is harder on me. He said, no, it's not. <laughs> or a parent will say this, I'll just give them a good coating of words this time. Proverbs 23, 13, 14. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, 
he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Isn't that interesting? Or they might say, they just need to be left alone. They'll grow up, they'll grow out of it, perhaps. But Proverbs 29, 15 says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. They'll say, well, they're just too young. When they get older, it'll be more serious then. There's plenty of time to take care of that and do that. Carol said she was in line the other day, and this kid screamed the whole time. I want that. That's mine. I want that. Never stop. The mom just go like that, you know. I said, if I'd been there, I was like, could I help you? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. But people are afraid today because of what they'll call, they'll call you in for abuse. And, I mean, that's a real thing. I, I understand that. But the Bible says, Proverbs 19, 18, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his cry. It's when you have the opportunity that gives the hope. <laughs> well, I'm afraid if I spank them, they'll rebel. Well, maybe. They might. Spank them again then. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 17 says this. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, and he shall give delight unto thy soul. I remember one of the last times I whipped my son. I whipped him good. And I didn't abuse him. But he ran and grabbed hold of my leg. He said, Dad, I love you. That ripped my heart out. I'll never forget that. And there was a change. I didn't have to do that hardly ever after that. Somebody said, well, is it necessary? Well, not if you're really creative, the 90, 95% of the time. No, but Proverbs 20, verse 30 says this. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. It works on the outside and the inside at the same time. And remember, they have an old nature. And if they don't learn by correction, kids don't reason real well while they're young. But they do know when pain hits. They start testing, no. Start testing, no, no. Start like that. They think you're not looking. They go like that. You know, you go where you smack their hands. Ouch. They don't reach for that like that. Isn't that amazing how that works? Dr. James Dobson used to talk about that all the time. So it takes both. It takes the rod, a little bit, and creativity, just like God does with us. Now, when you whip the kids, there's six steps that you can take. One, establish guilt. God does with us. He used Nathan, David, thou art the man. <laughs> And we need to let them know they've done wrong, they've sinned, they need to own up to it. That's called established guilt. This is what you've done, why it's wrong. 
Secondly, establish authority. Parents have the God-given responsibility through God and his word that the parent is over the kids, not the government, not the schools, not the psychiatrists. The parents are over the children. Number three, establish love. I love you. This is why I'm doing this. I'm correcting you because I do love you. And this is the reason that I'm doing this. And when you maintain love, you will never abuse your child. Number four, exercise the rod. If firmly and consistently, you don't have to do it very often. You just don't have to do it. I always remember uh, in my own family, uh, when I would whip Jamie, I didn't have to whip Jenny hardly at all. She saw what I did to Jamie. (laughs) She didn't want to be part of that. Very little did she get whipped. And then number five, encourage fellowship afterward. We've learned what was wrong, why we did what we did. Now it's over. It's forgiven. You hug them, love them, and move on. That's simple. And lastly, number six, expect the right response. You know, I'm sorry, there's some repentance there, you know what I mean? Some accountability. If after you whip them, they look at you, they go like that, do it again. (laughs) Amen? So that they get the point. Now, here's the right things to say and do for your kids as I come down the stretch. Give them your faith. That's so important, saving faith. Mom and dad can't give faith if they don't have faith. When's the time you ever, in your heart, believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again, and you put your trust and your faith in that gospel message? And you man it. When when have you done that? If you haven't done that, you can't give them faith because you don't have it. But if you do have it, Don't be ashamed of it. Let them understand what this is about. And faith of your living. You know, the Bible says our kids are to be arrows. But someone said this, sticks are not arrows until they're made. And it's our responsibility to show them faith living every day. That our faith is real It's active in our lives. It's not out of duty or some legalistic thing. It's because we love Christ and want to please him, and it's just natural. Then challenge them to do something for God. Not to be so self-absorbed with self, their telephone. Cut it off. Boy, it's quiet here, because you can't do that with an adult. (laughs) Isn't that true? Yeah. We're so self-absorbed in what we are doing and everything. Oh, it's all about me. I want to be on the team. We promote sports. We promote computers, whatever it might be. But when do we ever promote God? 
Number six, teach them to praise and reverence God. You know, God hates the sin of presumption. Yes, I know God. I know what he wants me to do, but I, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's called presumption. And let me just remind you about something. Regardless of what you do in your life, this life is about him. He deserves our praise for what he's done for us in saving us. And he deserves our everything just because, as they sing, just because he's God. He's sovereign. He's high and lifted up. When John came into the presence of God, what did he do when Christ touched him? He fell as dead. We've lost a reverence for Almighty God in our church today. God help us. Number seven, show them how to recognize and resist the devil's attacks. We can't let our kids just be naive. If you don't ever teach them spiritual truth, they're vulnerable. And they'll be ready for the attacks of the devil to take them down. Number eight, teach them how to cry out to God in times of need, how to cast all their care upon God because they know God cares for them. You see, they need to learn that we're totally dependent upon him. And there will come times in their lives that they will make it only if God intervenes and moves in that circumstance. Number nine, explain to them about God's umbrella of protection. I've mentioned this often throughout the years. It's like an umbrella. You have it, the raindrops don't get on you, but you move the umbrella out and you get wet. Well, we have the umbrella of God, and he protects us, but he wants us to walk in his ways, his will, Follow his word. And when I put that aside, I'm going to get hit. Amen. That's what happened. We reap what we sow. And then pray for them daily. Our kids need our prayers. You say, pray for what? Well, pray that they will have a hatred of sin. Amen. Psalms 97.10 says this, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Hate it. It's consequences and devastation over the lives should wake us up. Sin produces death, death of a potential life, death of a marriage, death of so on and so on in your life. You want them to see the consequences of sin? Take them down to the mission at Wheeler Mission and let them see who's down there, why they're there. Take them to the jailhouse. Let them spend a couple hours in jail. Won't hurt them. They'll see what sin does. Pray that they will be caught when guilty of wrong. Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Too many parents continue to bail their kids out of trouble, so their kids continue being in trouble. <laughs> Pray that they will be protected from evil. Jesus prayed for his disciples, John 17, 
15 says, I pray not that thou shouldest take us them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Do you not understand we live in a wicked world? We don't know if our kids go to the mall if they're going to come back or not anymore. We just sometimes take that for granted, but we don't know because of what's going on. There's a world's allurements, the flesh's desires, the devil's devices and traps. And we need to pray that God puts a hedge about our kids. Then pray that they will have a good, positive attitude in life. Daniel 6.3 says this, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. Huh? He had a good attitude even though he was in slavery in a sense. I just hate kids to be negative all the time, murmuring all the time, complaining all the time, disrespectful all the time. And by the way, we need to enjoy the trip because the trip is a short trip. Us older folk, we know we don't have much time left, but we look back, it's been quick. Isn't that right? And it gets quicker every year. Huh? I already have roller skates on. I'm, I'm ready to go. Pray that they will respect authority placed over them. Romans 13.1 says this here. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. Now, I just say that to say this. If, they're, if they don't show respect at home, they won't show respect in church, and certainly they're not going to show respect out there in life. And if they don't show submission to authority out there in life, they're going to get knocked down good. Life is different. You can't do what you want to do all the time. Sometimes you have to go to the job and work 40 hours. Now, I know that's a novelty today. And they're even trying to cut the day schedule to four days a week now. Golly, they won't get a whole lot done five days a week. That's going to be amazing, isn't it? And lastly, pray that they will choose the right friends and be kept from wrong friends. Amen? Psalm 119.63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts or thy word. That's who they should run with. Uh, now, they can have some lost friends. In a sense, you know, you go to school and whatever it might be. But let me just say something. Your close friends need to be saved, living for God. If not, they'll do what they do. Proverbs 13.20 says this, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Huh? Isn't that something? Who you run with is your future. Proverbs 28.7 talks about the wrong one. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of righteous men shameth his father. Just a matter of time, they go the wrong way. Amen? So 
my challenge to you today is do something <laughs> in your home in raising of our children. It's tough today. I understand that. Sometimes you have a cane, but sometimes you have an Abel. Sometimes you have a Jacob, then some days you have an Esau. <laughs> it happens, I understand that, but not because of us being absent and not being there for our kids and trying to help them through their life. A lady wrote this, I can no longer grasp your tiny hand and lead you across the street, nor tuck you in at night against the chill, nor kiss your precious, flawless baby face, but I can pray. I can no longer take you to the house of God, nor read to you from his precious holy word, nor tell you what is right and what is wrong, but I can pray. For you are grown and from my constant care are gone to choose your way and live your life and be what you will in your own way. But still, I can pray. <laughs> one of the, I have habits. Uh, one of the habits that I have is uh, when I go over to the dresser, I'm getting ready to leave there, I pick up my water and my gun and stuff like that. Yes, I love guns. And uh, I, there I have a picture of a couple of my kids, my wife, her parents, my mom. And I go down the list. I said, God, help Carol me to live in such a way that we would honor my mom, we would honor her mom and dad. And then I have a picture of one of my grand, great-granddaughters. And then I go through the list. I name every one of my kids, my son, my daughter, grandkids, great-grandkids. And I ask God to be with them and protect them this day, that they would live for him. I do that every time, every morning, before I ever go into the kitchen. I just, that, that means a lot to me. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. There's a couple of, couple of them on the edge, these great-grandkids and grandkids. And so you just pray and you hold your breath, but every time you're around them, you try to live for Christ. You try to show them that you believe in Christ you're not ashamed of that. He's the answer for their life if they'd reach out. You know, you do what you can do. So my, I'm thankful for family. I love family. And uh, I just hope you love your family enough to give it its best shot to be successful in life in the sense of the relationship with God. And by the way, let me just say that the closer you are to God... I've noticed that's when you are blessed by God. I think sometimes I'd be nowhere without Carol. And I, I say that because I was on the other side of the tracks, mentally, physically, everything. No spiritual life. But Carol brought me over from the dark side to the light. <laughs> 
And she wanted to start going to church after we were married. And I got saved. And it changed my life. And that began a journey of learning, of putting off these terrible habits that I had. And then put on more godly habits. And as I look back, whether it's through the church or through individual people in the church throughout all these years who have helped us, we would not be where we are if it hadn't been for the graciousness of a number of people. But I've noticed that we want for nothing. We don't have a lot, but what we have is ours. And God supplied. I've had the privilege of going all over the world, from Russia to Israel to South America to the Apache Indians out west. (laughs) And I look back on that, I said, it's God. And I notice that when you try to live for God, you're not perfect, but you try to live for God, God honors that. And he promises to meet your needs. And we're a testimony that that is true in your life if you go that direction. And it's the best direction. I mean, it really is. And uh, I still fight my old battles. I'm human. I have flesh. Some of those old habits try to creep up from time to time. And it's a fight, you know. Somebody said, but you're old. You shouldn't have those problems. Kurt Davis, Carol's dad, my father-in-law, he always said, regardless of how old he was, he always thought like he was 16. (laughs) Isn't that true? Uh, It's true. You you always think young. And you you place yourself there with younger people. Then you look in the mirror and say, what happened? (laughs) So that's my family message today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for always being there for us, even when we didn't deserve it. That first time you tugged at our hearts, then your presence was real, and you showed our Savior on a cross in the empty tomb. And we, by faith, believed in that. Your Spirit came into our hearts, our bodies, And he's been trying to work in us ever since. And he's got a job to do with some of us, that's for sure. But God, thank you for not giving up on us. Even when we have failed miserably, you have always been faithful. And so I just pray that you'd speak to moms, dads, grandparents, that they never be shamed of the godly lifestyle. That's our kids' only hope. And we pray we will be faithful at interjecting that every time we have the chance. Be with our people today. Give them a wonderful day. We love them. We thank you for the privilege of being able to be here at the church. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's service. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpindy.net or contact us by phone at 317 317- 535-3512. For more options to watch, just click On Demand on the website. Until next broadcast, may God bless you is our prayer.